Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, where my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have so much hope for this generation coming up that I've grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. A great guest lined up for you this week. Ryan Leaf, the number two pick in the 1998 NFL draft by the San Diego Chargers. He was a Heisman Trophy candidate at Washington State, one of the most decorated college quarterbacks ever. He's going to join me for a candid and raw conversation about his NFL career, incarceration, addiction, and how he's turned his life around. I just love his story. Leaf is now a dad. He's a keynote speaker. He's the host of a new sports talk show called The Straight Line with Ryan Leaf. And he's the subject of a 10-episode podcast series called Bust and I mean, you want to talk about being reflective and being honest. If you listen to that 10 episode podcast series, it is just that. So I highly uh, recommend that podcast series. I'm joined by Brian Griggs, our executive producer. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good. And uh, yeah, I mean, Ryan, talk about a guy that's been through it all and uh, has totally changed his life to something amazing. So cool interview. He's really candid. I love how open he is and how just direct he is with it and uses his life as an example of how to learn from it and grow from it. So it's a pretty cool interview. Much like Michael Vick, who we've also had on this show, Ryan Leaf just owns his past. And, you know, it's amazing how fatherhood and getting married and, um, you know, just good opportunities like this new show with Points Bet USA has turned his life around. But he's worked really hard for it. Uh, He is a great public speaker. A friend of mine saw him speak and connected us. And I thank her for that. Um, But you're going to enjoy this conversation immensely. It's just a human conversation. It goes way beyond sports. All right, let's get to some sports business headlines before we get to the Ryan Leaf conversation. Griggs, what's going on in the NFL? Tua gets concussed. I thought we had a protocol in place to protect these players from themselves, but the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, I have friends there, so I hate to say this, the coaches, the trainers, the doctors, they all failed to it. You've got to protect the players from themselves. Studies show that two concussions happening in a short period of time, like in a week, is like getting five concussions over a longer period of time. He should have never been cleared to play. And then what in the world? I'm in Arizona right now. J.J. Watt went into AFib last Wednesday. He had his heart shocked back into rhythm on Thursday, and he played in an NFL game on Sunday, have we lost our minds? I mean, do people not remember Hank Gathers, who I knew well, Reggie Lewis, Flo Hyman? Like, what are we doing here, Griggs? Well, and you're playing with 
a brain injury and a heart thing. I mean, those are kind of yeah. two major Very things. Serious. Yeah, they're not just like, you know, I got to scratch my arm, I can play. But uh, yeah, I couldn't believe it. When I watched that first Sunday game with Tua, when he couldn't even stand up and walk off the field, and then the next drive he's playing, I'm like, that doesn't seem right. And then Thursday, he's starting, you know, five days later, I'm like, okay, that's, that's weird. And then he gets blasted. It's just unbelievable. And uh, I agree. Like, where's the protocol? Where's the, there's got to be a system here. And I know that that doctor has already been, you know, relieved of his duties. But uh, man, this is, just seems crazy. And the J.J. Watt thing is just baffling. I mean, you have to protect the players from themselves. They're always going to want to play. They don't want to lose their spot in the lineup. They don't want to let their teammates down. You know, a lot of them are getting bonuses for how many snaps they take. So, of course, they're going to want to play. But, I mean, those three athletes I just mentioned, they all wanted to play too. Hank Gathers, Reggie Lewis, Flo Hyman. They're all dead. So, is that what it's going to take here for us to protect players in the NFL? Is someone going to have to die on the field of play like in Gladiator before we go, huh, maybe we need to rethink some things here. I mean, I thought we were making progress. Apparently not. There needs to be people fired. There needs to be people fined. I mean, this is ridiculous. And I don't know that I'd let Tua play again this year. He's going to really have to prove to me over a period of time that he's okay. Because like I said, studies show if you get two concussions right on top of each other in a short span, like he did in the course of a week, it's like getting five concussions. And, you know, how many people do we need to see with CTE that have killed themselves that have had long-term brain damage where you go, well, is Tua going to become one of those guys? Like you got to protect the players from themselves. Again, I know they want to play, but protect them from themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think we've talked about it too. It all goes back to, you mentioned uh, the, the almighty dollar. You know, these guys have money on the line. They've got, you know, in their contract, hey, if you play this game, you're going to get more money like we're seeing with uh, Garoppolo now. He's getting paid extra just because he's playing. And right. it's just like, yeah, and, and the NFL game is so fast and so violent more than ever. These, and these quarterbacks are getting hit almost every play after they throw the ball, after they run. I mean, they're getting hit all the time. So it's like, I agree, too, it should be out, if not two, three weeks, the rest of the season. Yeah. All right, one more topic I wanted to cover since we had our SBR vault last week. The Phoenix Suns are officially for sale, as are the Mercury, the WNBA team. Robert Sarver, we said, you know, last time we were with you, sponsors, stars like LeBron James and Chris Paul, when people start pressuring, then that's when there could be a sale. And, and now it looks like there's going to be a sale. Forbes and Sportico says the Suns are about, $1.8 billion. Griggs, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say $4 billion or more for the Suns. I just think they're in a great market. I'm in Phoenix right now. Um, there's a lot of wealthy people here. These teams don't come up very often. They're a good team. Uh, you know, you got Devin Booker on the team. You got Monty Williams as the coach. You got James Jones as the GM. I think it's going to go for $4 billion plus. Uh, the name that keeps coming up is Jeff Bezos from Amazon. Of course, he can buy whatever he wants. He's one of the wealthiest people in the world. Uh, you know, you've got Bob Iger, who's friends with Chris Paul from his days at Disney. He's got a lot of money, but he'd probably need to get some people to come in on the purchase with him. But, uh, you know, all in all, look, this wasn't the Donald Sterling situation, but certainly in a roundabout way, a sale has been forced. And, you know, Robert Sarver, who's been on the show, um, did some pretty bad things, according to the investigation. But he's going to walk away with a truckload of cash. So 
um, you know, it's just like Donald Sterling. You punish him, but are you really punishing him? Because he's getting paid a lot of money. Like, pay me, punish me by paying me billions of dollars. Right. He definitely wins. He will win when he gets the, the team sold for sure. And I think it will be way more than $1.8 but uh, yeah, I think Phoenix is a good market. I love the Jeff Bezos name because look, Amazon is uh, really trying to get in the sports thing. We see it with Thursday Night Football. They're trying to add more live programming with sports. So I think it'd be a great fit for him. I love the Phoenix market. I think it's a great team. It's a growing team. It's a, a good fan base and a great place to live and a great place to run a team. So I think it should sell fairly quickly and uh, it'll be interesting to see how much it goes for. All right, Griggs, before we get to our conversation with Ryan Leaf, I want to welcome a new Sponsor to the Sports Business Radio family of sponsors, Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into true knowledge, meaningful insights, and customized action plans of evidence-backed nutrition, fitness, and lifestyle recommendations. I love this because they take your blood. I mean, they give you like a full, thorough report on everything about your body. And of course, you and I believe uh, in the health and wellness of our listeners. We're pretty healthy ourselves. I just love having Inside Tracker as a new sponsor of Sports Business Radio. We're going to be telling you a lot more about them in the coming weeks. But welcome Inside Tracker to Sports Business Radio. Go to InsideTracker.com for more information about them. If you go to InsideTracker.com backslash SBR, you're going to save 20%. So uh, our listeners get a little bit of a discount there. I think it's awesome. I mean, fitness is great. Uh, I'm fit. You're fit. We work on our bodies all the time and trying to be healthy. And uh, there's so much data you can learn from this. I love how much they detail out, you know, exactly what you need to, how your blood sugar is and how all this is working out. It's really cool. So I'm excited to have them on with SBR. Yeah, I'm going to feel like a pro athlete getting all the <laughs> analytics of my, yeah. my body's data. Uh, so this is, this is going to be good. Like I said, we'll talk about it more, but welcome Inside Tracker. All right, coming up next. A great conversation with Ryan Leaf. Human conversation. This is a guy who's got an inspirational story. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. When it comes to your health and longevity, you hold nothing back. You understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build strength, speed recovery, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, You'll also unlock real-time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash SBR. That's insidetracker.com forward slash SBR. My guest is Ryan Leaf. He was the number two pick in the 1998 NFL draft. He was selected by the San Diego Chargers after starring at quarterback at Washington State. He's now a dad, a keynote speaker. He's the host of a new sports talk show with points bet USA and NBC Sports. It's called The Straight Line with Ryan Leaf. He's an analyst for ESPN College Football, uh, and he really shares his poignant story via the 10-episode 
podcast called Bust. We'll talk about that. You can follow him on social media at Ryan D. Leaf. Ryan, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I just, I followed your story for a long time. I think we're kind of close to the same age. And um, I'm so impressed with your comeback. I, I think it's one of the great stories in the last 20 years. Um, for people who may not have followed your story super closely, you were drafted, like I said, by the San Diego Chargers. It was really between you and Peyton Manning for the number one pick. You grew up, you know, you, you weren't a partier. You weren't using drugs. You had good parents. When did things start to kind of turn into an adverse situation for you? Probably, you know, after, after a couple of those losses uh, in San Diego, um, I, I, I'd never really failed before. Or at least I thought I hadn't failed before. I had failed, you know, multiple times in my life. Don't get me wrong. I just, uh, I didn't see it uh, as that. And now I was failing um, at the highest level in front of the entire world. And I was not equipped to deal with that in a healthy way. And so I, I behaved and reacted the only way I, I knew how to. And that was to be defensive, fight back, um, dig in. Um, you know, be the big, strong athlete like I'd always been because I was always able to self-correct by by performing well. But when you're uh, at the highest level of of your occupation, you know, where there's the best of the best, you know, you can't do that with your central nervous system on a on tilt all the time. And so uh, I crashed and burned uh, really publicly, and. Uh, and then I compounded that by not seeking any sort of help with my mental health distress and, and chose to self-medicate in the only way I know how to. I have a lot of athletes on this show, some current, some former. It seems like now there are better resources when it comes to mental health for athletes. Uh, athletes aren't as afraid to talk about mental health issues. Do you think if there had been some of those resources back when you played that things might have been different? Well, I think there was always resources. There's always been those resources. I think the stigma uh, that surrounded mental illness um, was so, you know, so pronounced. I had never seen uh, another male peer of mine say, I need help. Can somebody help me? I, I'd never seen it in real life. I'd never seen it in TV or movies or anything like that. It was, it was a toxic masculinity to, to the sport I played in and the culture I grew up in, in Montana, where it was a cowboy culture. So if you'd never seen it, how would you know how to, to do that? How would I have known to say, Hey, I need help here. Uh, can somebody help me? And so therefore, even if, you know, even though there was resources available, I didn't view them as positive. I viewed them as shameful. It was a shaming way. Uh, if you went to a therapist, that means there was something wrong with you. And uh, that's what the stigma does. And the stigma still exists. It still holds people down all the time. People really admire a lot of people speaking up and how a uh, spotlight's being shined on it. But that stigma is still incredibly influential. It stops people from asking for help still. They may look at my story or hear me speak and go, that's amazing. That's what an amazing story and everything like that. But people still don't act because of the stigma that still exists. Um, 
And so it's important that we continue to tell our story and shine a light on it. So, you know, 10 years from now, the stigma doesn't exist at all. So when somebody is going through something similar that I was, it, it, it's not even a second thought to be like, boom, I need some, I need some time for me. And, and I think we saw that with Calvin Ridley a year ago. We're seeing it from, from some other individuals um, who, who are at least on the athlete side of things, which I think is a good sign. Yeah, I mean, I look at Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan, you mentioned Calvin Ridley, and, and yourself as people who are helping to change that stigma. This is not a weakness. This is something a lot of us battle. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, I think it's more apt for people to deal with this uh, type of illness than anything else, right? I mean, it's just uh, with social media, with the pandemic and the isolation, uh, the anxiety and social distress and things like of, of that nature. I think it's important that you have an outlet, that you have an ability to express those feelings in a safe environment where you can be, uh, you know, diagnosed. You know, I think that's the biggest thing for a lot of us. We want to know why. And when you have a mental health disorder, it's invisible. Uh, so unless you have somebody really uh, able to diagnose that and show you like, this is what this is, you don't necessarily know if you can confront it or, or combat it. And so that's why that was huge for me when I went into treatment to finally get a dual diagnosis and understand, you know, what it was and not just me being lazy or, um, you know, or, or, or just, just a junkie, you know, things like that. It was, it's important to know why, um, as a human being, we're invested in, in why something's happening and, and how we can maybe, um, you know, solve that or try to. The other thing that is both a blessing and a curse for a lot of young pro athletes, the money. You come into lots of money. And there are many pro athletes, it's well documented that they don't know how to handle that newfound fortune. What was that like for you? Do you think you were well equipped to handle that money? Or do you look back and go, ooh, I, I could have known a lot more about how to handle that money? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, my, my parents were amazing. My dad, you know, built his business up and, um, you know, did it with character and integrity. And we didn't necessarily want for anything growing up, but I also knew we didn't, you know, we weren't, I also didn't know the exact details of what my parents were going through, you know, and living paycheck to paycheck and things like that. They just always took care of us boys um, so I never thought money would change me. And I honestly can tell you that, that money changed me. Like money gave me the idea that I was more important than anybody else. Uh, it was the, the money, power and prestige aspect of what made you a success. And now I had all of it and you weren't going to tell me anything. You know, I, I pushed away the people that tried to hold the mirror up to me and show me my behavior. I, I had all the answers now because I had all the money, the power that came with that. And so, yeah, it changed me. I just, uh, if, if there was an inkling of, of superficial um, mindset because I was a great football player, that was exacerbated, uh, you know, tenfold when you added the money to the equation. I've listened to your 10 episode podcast bust. I think it's phenomenal. I can't Thank remember you. too many athletes being as forthcoming and reflective as you are in that podcast series. When did things hit rock bottom for you? When did things turn around? I mean, I've had Michael Vick on this show and I asked him to explain to our audience when you were lying in the prison cell night one and you had lost your freedom, 
you were the highest paid player in the NFL. Like, take me into that sell and, and the mindset. When did you hit rock bottom and go, oh my gosh, I got to turn this around? You know, I don't think I ever did. You know, I, I don't think I ever did. I think, I, I think rock bottom ultimately is, is when you just don't get back up. So it just, uh, it took time. Even when I started to change and do things differently while I was in prison, um, I still didn't know what was happening then, right? It's like the, uh, you know, you, you can't see the forest, you know, through the trees mentality. I, it ultimately was starting to be of service to other people. That's what changed it uh, for me, but I didn't, I didn't know what was happening then. So I, I don't, I don't believe I've hit rock bottom. Um, prison was not a deterrent. Uh, I could go stand on my head in prison for the next 20 years and be fine. Um, it's a choice on whether I want to be there or not. Um, and I'm choosing at the time right now, not to be in there anymore. Um, because I can quickly remedy that by, you know, going back to my old life tomorrow, I'll, I'll be right back in prison or, or, or dead in the gutter somewhere. So I, I don't, uh, I don't think there was ever a rock bottom. You'd think it would be, you know, going to prison or you would think it would be, you know, attempting suicide, but no. No, that's not, that's not it. The rock bottom would ultimately be where you just, you don't get back up. You talk about service to others. One of the things you've mentioned is one of your uh, prison mates kind of dragged you into helping some of the other prisoners learn to read. And that was a service to others. Did that kind of change the mindset a little bit? Yeah, that was the moment. I mean, but I didn't know it then. Hmm. Um, it was just something that I did. I can't tell you why I did it either. Um, I had, I've had many of those kind of come to Jesus moments in my life from family, from mentors, from coaches. Um, so I, I can't tell you why I went. He suggested we go down and help prisoners who didn't know how to read, learn how to read. And I went, I mean, I still did it begrudgingly. I was thought he was stupid, thought it wasn't going to help me. And I just looked at him like, doesn't he know how important I am? And the irony of that is the guy um, in a red jumpsuit, you know, in a prison thinks he's still important. That's, that's the sickness of, of my narcissism there. So uh, I started doing that and this is where I found out. And this is where the first time I ever saw another man in a place where you're supposed to show no vulnerability, go, Hey, I don't know how to read Ryan. Can you help me? And mm -hmm. I, you know, I looked around like what, what's wrong with this dude. Um, and so it was just two men in, 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 in real adverse conditions, really helping each other out. And so I kind of knew that was going to have to be the foundation for when I got out. So when I got out, you know, I tried to use that um, as, as a guiding path to like, okay, this is, this, this never can be about you again. This has to be about someone else. Um, and, and, and that's important. And so that's where I started making it that that's, I didn't, I did, like I said, I didn't, didn't know when it was happening. I just started to realize I was you know, sleeping better. I was more personable. I was speaking to family, things like that, little shifts in, 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 uh, personality and, and behavior and emotional, uh, you know, emotional acuity and things like that. But, you know, I never, never fully understood it when it was, when it was happening. I can't go like, I can look back now and point to that, but you know, not, at, not at the time it was happening. How does one shed narcissism and ego? Service. I mean, you make it about other people. I mean, narcissism is, is all about you. It's all about you. 
everything that you do or say or think has to do with you. So if you make it about somebody else, um, that will that will subside a little bit. I mean, I, I think if you have narcissistic personality disorder, which I do, that's never going to go away. You know, you just have to you have to curb it and you have to be aware of it and understand it um, because it's just. I think it's also it was a driving factor in, in in my success too, right? Because of how I worked and how I went about my business. It's a tricky, it's a tricky slippery slope there when you when you're talking about it. It can take you in a in a really bad direction. It can take you to to real success too. I think some of the greatest athletes of all time who have been champions and stuff are 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 incredible narcissists, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's it's a matter of being aware of it, understanding it, and um, you know, not feeding it. And so. Um, that's, that's kind of what I figured out. If you made it about somebody else, like your life got better. That's ironic to me. I thought it had to be all about me for my life to get better. But when you make it about somebody else, your life gets better. And that is, that flew in the face of everything I thought was, was right or, or how, how to go about things. You're listening to sports business radio. We'll be right back after this. Hey everyone, Brian Berger here. Roan is the new official menswear partner of Sports Business Radio. I love their product. I've been a fan for a long time. Did you know David Stern was one of their first investors? Roan makes the absolute highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable performance-driven clothing for men. Their entire line places emphasis on an active, balanced, and purpose-driven lifestyle. I'm wearing my spar joggers. I've got them in Uh, Heather Gray, I've got them in navy. I've got my moleskin commuter slim pant. I've got my regular black commuter pant. I've got my dress shirts. So when I'm out in in in-person meetings, I have the nicer Roan product to wear. But most of the time, I'm working from home. And I've got my rain long sleeve gray Heather camo. I've got my rain long sleeve hoodies. I am wearing the shorts for workouts, the seven inch Mako shorts. So I'll tell you what, from top to bottom, whether it's casual or business wear, Roan has me covered. I know they're going to have you covered too. And Roan is offering sports business radio podcast listeners 15% off your purchase. Go to Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com and enter code SBR15 at checkout, like Sports Business Radio 15, SBR15 at checkout, receive 15% off your purchase. That's Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com, and enter promo code SBR15 at checkout. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. You are a seven-time felon. Um you are a recovering sure addict. there's more than that. I think I feel like a double digit guy. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> no, I think it's just seven. Oh, um, I, I think there's probably more. Okay. <laughs> How do you earn trust? Because I, you know, you're working with Points Bet USA, you've worked with ESPN, um, you've worked with Kevin Conley of Entourage Fame on the Bust podcast. You've obviously earned trust of these companies and people that you're working with. And, you know, you've got a rocky past, as we've discussed, and it's well-documented. How have you re-earned that trust? Action. You know, I'm a good storyteller. I can, I can tell you what you want to hear. But um, bottom line is it's about action. And I, I received an award on Friday night for my, my work in the recovery community in Los Angeles. And um, 
two people came up to me during the 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 event and one said that I had gone to her school when it was first starting out a, a recovery school to speak you know for nothing just when no one else would give them the time of day I came and spoke I didn't even remember doing that to be to be honest it was five five six years ago um, but I did it and then there was another gentleman that walked up and he just started a treatment facility and he had, he passed me four years ago or something on the golf course him and his buddies uh, and I was ahead of them and at a tee box one time they came up and introduced themselves and he said I was so kind and nice uh, and that wasn't me my whole life when people talked about meeting me or interacting with me it was like I, I met that Ryan Leaf he what an asshole you know mm. that's that's how um, I was used to hearing and so what happens is you become your your own referral both those individuals had communication with the event planner in this and they were doing a, a trying to decide who who was the most impactful people in the recovery world in Los Angeles this last year and you know they became referrals of mine that I didn't even know I had because mm -hmm. of how I treated someone else in the moment um, when it wasn't about me you know it was I made it about them um, and that's what builds trust and it takes time and there are going to be people who don't trust me ever again and rightfully so and i have to understand that um so i just you know i i don't buy into what other people think of me uh is any bit of my business um if they choose not to to want me to be part of something that they're doing that's that's their prerogative and i understand it but those that do give me a chance that do lift me up and support me uh i I absolutely work my tail off for them and will will do so because um, I have perspective and gratitude that I think a lot of other people don't when given second opportunities like I have second, third, fourth opportunities like I've got. One of the things that I think is really difficult about being a celebrity or a pro athlete is every interaction you have with someone, that's probably their only interaction with you ever. And you know, some people are going to go, Hey, that guy's an a-hole and other people are going to go, that guy changed my life with what he said and helped my personal recovery. How is that, you know, always having to be, uh, on or judged when you're interacting with anyone. And like I said, that may be their only interaction with you. Well, if it's, if it's false, then you have to be on, but if you, if you change, and that's the person you become, then you never have to be on. Mm. I mean, everybody has a bad day. Don't get me wrong. Like life is still life. Life isn't fair. It's, it's about how you deal with it that matters. So um, I found over the last seven years since I've been out of prison that I've attempted to be that version of myself um, because I know what it feels like to, to be treated poorly, to be seen as, you know, a number warehoused you know, marginalized. And I don't think I ever had that perspective before until I went through what I went through. So I think it's given me a ton of gratitude. My wife gives me a hard time because every night I, I lay down in bed, I love my bed. I found the best mattress <laughs> in the world and I love it. And I just, I cuddle up in it and I just dig around in it. And I just, she just hears me on the other side there go, I am so grateful for this bed. I love this bed. And she's like, I get it. You love your bed, but she doesn't, she can't fully understand it. I slept on like a concrete slab for three years. Wow. Right. So there's perspective there and there's gratitude there. Um, 
you know, I hear people complain all the time. We're on the golf course and somebody complains about the, the golf round taking too long. And I, I always say, well, you know, it could be worse. And they're like, they kind of chuckle. And I'm like, yeah, you could, you know, you could be in prison. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of like stop for a second and, and they don't know if I'm being serious or not. And I think it's, it's true. It's, it's all how you look at any situation. So when you interact with people, uh, whether they treat you well or not, uh, you know, you have a choice in how you deal with that. And, uh, and I, I try to choose the right. I, I don't make the right decisions all the time. I still screw up all the time. I'm an incredibly flawed human being still just trying to be better every day. Well, I think you're doing a good job. A few minutes left. When you were keynote speaking, we connected through someone who saw you keynote speaking. Um, what are your topics that you discuss typically? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's my story. Um, if you've listened to my podcast like you have, it's, it's, it's that. It's, that. Mm-hmm. it's an unvarnished, transparent, accountable uh, accounting of, of my life. But I want people to understand that, you know, it, this is about choice. You know, you, you're not a product of your environment. Uh, life isn't fair. Like I said, it's about how you deal with it. And how you deal with it is your choice. There's a fork in the road all the time. Either you deal with something in a healthy, positive way or a negative and toxic one. And then when you do deal with something in a negative, toxic way and you screw up and it's, you got egg on your face and it's embarrassing and humiliating, you just don't pack it in. Like everybody's like that. It's not the end of the world. And I think this day and age, especially with, um, you know, you know, grade school kids and middle school and high school kids, and even in college, when they mess up and make a mistake and it's embarrassing and people know about, they almost just go off the deep end because of it. Like it's like the end of the world. And so I want to show them like, no, it's, it's not, it's just, it's today, Hmm. you know, and today can be bad. And tomorrow can be amazing. It's what you make of it. And it's your choice. And if you choose a positive and healthy way, uh, I'm a perfect example of what a solution-based life can look like. Um, if, you, if you are open-minded to that, if you're self-aware, uh, and can take criticism when it happens. Like, you know, I, life seems to be going pretty well for me, but I've surrounded myself with accountability partners. And, and sometimes I'm old Ryan and old behavior uh, rears its ugly head because it just doesn't go away after you've been something for 35 years of your life. And when they show it to you, you get angry and you're upset because you don't want to see that ugly version of you. You don't want to see those character defects, but I've asked for it. I've asked for somebody to show me that so I can try to be better. And, uh, and it's hard and that's, you know, life isn't easy now. It's uh, I'm grateful for it, but it's, it is what it is like for everybody. We're, we're all the same. We all deal with the same type of things, regardless of how, Instagram pretty our life looks like in the eyes of everybody else. Bust, as I said, is a 10 episode podcast series. You got together with Kevin Conley. I know your wife helped as well. How did that project come together? And again, so self-reflective, not many people would be willing to do that. How did you kind of finally make this decision? All right, now is the time to do this podcast series. Well, my wife and I came up with this idea that we were going to pitch a TV show uh, to like ESPN or HBO or Showtime and stuff where, um, where I go to every genre of sport where there were individuals, men or women who had tons of expectations on them, like mine, mm-hmm. uh, and didn't maybe live up to them. And people may revert, refer to them as a bust or something like that. And, and the pitch was, we're going to call the show, um, bust. 
Uh, and I was going to be the host because there's not many other people that could sit in a room with, the, let's say, Jamarcus Russell and ask him some questions. And if, if he gives me BS answers, me calling him on it, right? There's, you know, no, no one else can do that type of thing. So uh, we almost had it sold uh, to Showtime. We thought we had it and there was some you know, big corporate merger. I don't know how it works, but we we didn't end up making it. So me and Kevin were out on the golf course one day and I was just like, he was talking to me about what his what he was doing around the podcast world. And I said, well, let's let's repackage this. Maybe let's let's how about I be the first guinea pig? How about I just, you know, and I think we first went in and, and thought maybe people maybe ask me questions. And then what we found. What nobody else did was just you in front of a microphone, unvarnished, telling your story and then have somebody who works in the entertainment side of things. And that's Kevin's world to produce it. Right. You know, with sounds things like that. The editing was amazing. We worked really hard on it uh, for a long period of time. Uh, we probably had enough content to do 50 episodes, you know, and we, uh, we whittled them down to 10 um, and in the most impactful way we, we thought we could. And uh, it's been astonishing and overwhelming to, to hear the response from people and how it's affected them. And um, I had my arresting officer send me a Facebook message this week that he had just got to episode seven and he was hesitant to listen to it because he thought I would sugarcoat my arrest in Montana that he was a part of. And he was blown away by my transparency and my brutal honesty. And that's what he said in the message. And I just thought, you know, it doesn't cost me anything to tell the truth. I think people most, if people know who I am at all, they, they, they already think the worst of everything, right? You know, my telling of it is not going to make it any worse. In fact, uh, it, it, it may be worse in their eyes to hear it from me, what really happened. So it doesn't cost me anything to be honest about this. Um, I'm not ashamed of it. It's made me who I am. Uh, it's almost a badge of honor. Uh, of course, I would have liked not to harm my community and things like that uh, while I was going through it. And I've had to make amends and continue to make a living amends for that. But uh, I, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for, for all of, all of that, that, that happened to me. I commend you tremendously. Two more questions. The straight line with Brian leaf. Looks like you're having a lot of fun doing that show. You're in a new studio. You're working with points bet USA and NBC. Um, what's that been like? Well, it's been amazing. Like, you know, you talked about when you introduced me, I mean, there's, I've been a mercenary of sorts for the last six years. Like everybody's wanted to work with me, but just no one was like, you know, he's our guy, right? Let's build something together. Yep. And, you know, points bet came in and that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to back me. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a huge loyalty guy. Like you have my back. I have your back mm. through anything. And, uh, and we're going to build something together. You know, I, I give a ton of, uh, you know, thanks to the likes of Rich Eisen, who, when he is out, allows me to sit in his chair and be the host. And I think it's a big reason why I got this gig and why I got this job, because um, not too many former players uh, can sit in a, a, a chair solo for three hours and, and, and host his own show. And so I was kind of a unicorn in that. And my agent was able to, you know, work with points bet and see what would be best. And we came up with this show concept and it's, you know, it's based around football mostly, you know, but all sports, I opened the show today talking about gratitude and about the great weekend I had and 
the award that my wife gave to me and, and my son was there to see it. And so it's, it's life, but it's sports. And that's what, that's exactly what my life is. My life is real life (laughs) and it is sports fueled. And so that's what my show is. Uh, and there's a gambling aspect to it, um, which, uh, which is the future of sports anyway. Uh, and I think getting in on the ground floor there, uh, is, is a perfect way to, to help shape it, uh, and, and make it something special. So, uh, it's three days a week right now. We're gonna jump into four days a week, starting the beginning of October. Um, and, uh, yeah, new, new studio in Manhattan. We've moved to Connecticut. Um, like life's, life's getting big, life's changing. The sun's getting bigger. Um, uh, it's just, it's a good life. It's, it's a good life. I'm happy for you. Uh, last question. You became a dad at age 40. How has fatherhood changed your perspective on things? I'm a dad. I know when I became a dad, it certainly changed my perspective. I see a lot of things through my daughter's eyes. Um, your son is pretty young still. How do you, uh, how has your perspective changed since becoming a dad? Well, I think, you know, you, you probably know this when they lay, when they lay them in your arms, when they're born, um, for me, there was this moment of like this wave of unselfishness rolled over me. Hmm. Like I knew from that moment on, everything was going to be about him and her. Um, and that's what it's been like. Everything I've done has been about them. Um, you know, it kind of keeps in tradition with what I needed to make my life when I got out of prison was to make it about other people. And but when you have it, when you see the version of yourself, like he's me. I mean, he looks just like me. He's going to be like <laughs> six foot nine. I mean, and um, it's the best thing I've ever done. You know, best thing I've ever done. Um, and, you know, I screw up all the time, you know, as a new parent, uh, like all new parents do. Yeah. And uh um, I think it makes it makes it fun. And it also is a great teaching tool for me because I don't, you know, as good as my parents were, the stoicism of them when they mess up, they never let it, us really see it. You know, <clears throat> excuse me. I think it's important. My son knows, like, he's seen me mess up in, in front of him and stuff. And I remember one time he told me, because I told them this to him many, many times um, when I messed up. One time he said, it's okay, dad, we all make mistakes. Um, that that's the teaching tool. It sounds like something really simple, you know, something really, really simple. But when the guy that you look up to the most makes a mistake and can admit it and be okay with it and move on, he is, he's in that place too, where he's able to, to know that he can mess up. He can go through life and screw up and, and, uh, um, acknowledge it and move on in a positive way. Great, great lesson. Uh, you know, like I said, longtime admirer of your story and how you've turned your life around Ryan leaf, uh, listen to bust the podcast. You can find it on podcast platforms everywhere. The straight line with Ryan leaf, really great show and, uh, follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Ryan D leaf. Ryan, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining me on sports business radio. Of course. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This episode of Sports Business Radio is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the fastest growing fantasy app ever released and the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. And with early investors like Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and Jared Goff, 
I know that underdog fantasy is made for people like me who are on the go and want something quick, easy, and fun to play. And today we've got a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. If you sign up to Underdog Fantasy using the promo code SBR, they're going to double your first deposit up to $100. No risk, no long-term commitment. Just sign up using promo code SBR and your first deposit is matched up to $100 for free. I already play Underdog Fantasy on the Underdog Fantasy app, but if I didn't, I'd use that free $100 and go for a pick'em contest where I can bet the over-under on individual players or team matchups. Or maybe the Best Ball Mania 3 contest worth $10 million in total prizes. All you have to do is draft a team for the season. No waivers, no lineups, no injury reports. Underdog Fantasy takes care of all of that for you. So do what I've been doing. Go to Underdog Fantasy, download the app, sign up with promo code SBR, and get started right away with a free match on your first deposit up to $100. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our team at Sports Business Radio. Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, and our friends at CG Sports who power Sports Business Radio. C.G. Young, Matt Amerlin, Nicole Wardle, and Calvin Wirtz. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.